Second Kings chapter eight verses one through six is our text. Second Kings chapter eight one through six. This is God's holy word. Now Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go with your household and sojourn wherever you can sojourn, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come on the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. At the end of seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went out to appeal to the king for her house and for her field. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God saying, Please relate to me all the great things that Elisha has done. As he was relating to the king how he had restored to life the one who was dead, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her field. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she related it to him. So the king appointed for her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the produce of the field from the day that she left the land, even until now. The reading of Holy Scripture, be seated, please, and let's pray together. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. Your truth reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O Lord, above the heavens, and your glory over all the earth in the preaching and the hearing of your word by the help of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Throughout the Elisha narratives, the prophet has been portrayed as a channel of God's grace and deliverance, not only to Israel in general, but also to Israelite and foreign individuals, to an Israelite widow of one of the sons of the prophets whose jar of oil was multiplied. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. To the Shunammite, a Gentile woman whose son Elisha raised from the dead. Chapter 4, verses 8 to 37. To the sons of the prophets at Gilgal in the purifying of the poisonous stew and the multiplying of the bread. Chapter 4, verses 38 to 44. To Naaman, a Gentile captain of the Aramean army who was healed of leprosy, chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, to one of the sons of the prophets again at the Jordan, 
in the account of the floating axe head, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And now, after a long narrative about the king of Aram's warring against Israel and his, and his siege of Samaria from chapter 6, verse 8, to the end of chapter 7, an account of God's gracious deliverance, not only of Elisha himself, but also of the starving Israelites in the royal city. We're told once again here in chapter 8, verses 1 to 6, about God's grace in his providential dealings, once again, with the Shunammite woman. I hope you noticed as I read off these accounts in succession, the, uh, the back and forth between Israel and a Gentile, Israel and a Gentile, Israel and a Gentile, Israel, and now a Gentile. Again, this is a marvelous foreshadowing of God's grace that would come upon the Gentiles when he poured out his spirit upon his church at Pentecost. The short episode that we have uh, before us this evening, like uh, the, the account of the floating accent in chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, isn't merely uh, a space filler, but another instance of God's grace evident in Elisha's ministry, and which reflects the grace of Jehovah himself. The key phrase in these verses that we have read here is restored to life. Once in verse 1, three times in verse 5, we have this phrase, restored to life. We're being taught here that God is the Lord of life. God is the Lord of new life. And that new life is, in the first place, a life of faithful providence, and secondly, a life of timely providence. The new life is a life of faithful providence, a life of timely providence. In the first place, new life in Christ is a life of faithful providence. Our shorter catechism instructs us that God carries out the eternal purpose of his decree in the works of creation and providence, and then goes on to say, Westminster Shorter Catechism 11, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. To say that new life in Christ is a life of faithful providence is a, a theological way of saying that God takes care of his own. Once God receives us in Christ, he never abandons us. He always provides for us as his own dear children. Now, like everyone in Israel... The Shunammite woman and her household would be affected by the coming famine, and she needed, uh, she needed, they needed someone to take care of them. 
So Elisha, uh, verse 1, spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, go with your household, and sojourn wherever you can sojourn. For the Lord has called for a famine, and it will even come to the land for seven years. The Shunammite had learned from Elisha that God's word was trustworthy. So she obeyed. The woman did, verse 2, according to the word of the man of God. And she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistine for seven, uh, Philistines for seven years. Notice the faithfulness of God's providence in these verses. First, in his directive to this woman and her household. The woman receives a revelation from the prophet that the Lord has called for a seven-year famine in the land. This is a dark providence from Jehovah's hand. Elisha knows about it. He gets this word from the Lord. He conveys this word of revelation to the Shunammite woman. And she receives this directive then to go and sojourn elsewhere, wherever you can find a sojourn, wherever you can find that there's provision for you in this time of great famine uh, in the land, go and sojourn in that place. That's like having uh, the precise knowledge of inside trading in the stock market. A, A knowledge... Uh, that allows you to understand exactly when the market is going to crash, let's say, for a year, during which time you can withdraw your investments and protect them during that year when everyone else in the stock market is, is taking a beating. And then after that year, knowing that uh, the, there's going to be a bull run, uh, that the, the, the market is going to recover for a year so that you can put your money back in the stock market and you can uh, invest further in the stock market and take advantage of this uh, great bull run in the market. That's the kind of insider knowledge that the Shunammite woman had in this directive that uh, the prophet had, had given to her. She knew exactly when to go into another land to find provision. Seven years, she knew exactly when to come back when God would lift this famine from the land. So in the first place, God's faithful providence is manifested in this directive, this divine revelation that comes to the Shunammite woman. Second, this woman was going into a strange land where she was a stranger. She had no family there. She had no friends there. 
They had no home. They had no food. Yet God cared for them every day for seven years. His mercies were new to them every morning as he gave them their daily bread. This is the faithfulness of God's providence. He doesn't simply provide for his people once and and then leave us to fend for ourselves. He takes care of us day after day, month after month, year after year. Once again, Jehovah's care for the physical welfare of his people is evident in the life of this Shunammite woman. This recalls two important theological threads emphasized in the Elijah and Elisha narratives. First, it brings to mind Jehovah's provision through unexpected means. For example, uh, Elijah in 1 Kings 17 by the ravens at the brook of Cherith who brought him meat and bread every day uh, through the Gentile woman of Zarephath whose son he raised from the dead, just as the Lord had provided for Elisha unexpectedly at the hands of this Shunammite woman whose son he had raised from the dead. 2 Kings 4, verses 8 to 17. And now in chapter 8, verses uh, in, these, in this passage before us tonight, unexpected means are used as the Shunammite woman takes her household to Philistia, the old enemy of Israel, and God in his faithful providence provides for her there. Second, the second thread that we have here is the importance of obedience to God's word. That has been underlined throughout the Elisha and uh, Elijah narratives. And we read in verse 2, So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. New life in Christ is a life of faithful providence. God's providence is not only faithful, it's also timely. New life in Christ is a life of timely providence. A further key to understanding this second account of the Shunammite woman is is in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 13, where Elisha, in response to the kindness that the Shunammite had shown to him, inquires of her, what can I do for you? Can I put in a good word for you to the king or to the captain of the army? And the woman declines, if you remember, chapter 4 and verse 13, here in 2 Kings. She has, she says, a home among her own people. And here in chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, that's no longer the case. She no longer has a home. She's gone to sojourn in the land of of the Philistines, she returns back home, and uh, while she's been away, someone else has taken her home. We're not told wh- who, we're not told why. Perhaps the king had, had, uh, had taken that land himself, uh, as kings were uh, apt to do. 
At the end of the seven years, the famine ends, the woman returns, she asks the king, give me my house, give me my field. And of all the days that the Shunammite woman could have returned to Samaria, God ordained her coming on the very day that her name came up at the royal palace, verses 4 and 5. The king was talking with Gehazi, a servant of the man of God, saying, please relate to me all the thing, the great things that Elijah has done. The king seems to have a, 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 an interest in um, the fantastical kinds of things that uh, Elisha may have done that were no, known, uh, well known. So he's asking Gehazi, uh, who was uh, uh, Elisha's servant, to, to recount to him these things. Uh, as he was there before the king's throne. And as he was relating to the king how Elisha had restored to life the one who was dead, behold, the woman whose son had, had, he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and, to her, and for her field. Now, the mention of Gehazi is puzzling because if you remember at the end of chapter 5, uh, because of his deceit, uh, Gehazi was stricken with leprosy. Wasn't he dismissed from prophetic service? Wouldn't he have been uh, shunned from society and in general? Certainly, uh, he wouldn't have been in the king's court with leprosy. So, what's the what's the answer? To this puzzle. Well, we mentioned before that um, these, the arrangement of, of narratives here in 2 Kings, specifically in the Elisha narratives, is thematic, not necessary, necessarily chronological. So this account, in chapter 8, verses 1 through, 1 through 6, probably, most likely, occurred before the account of the healing of Naaman in chapter 5. Now back to uh, our, our point. Uh, the Lord timed the Shunammite woman's arrival to, down to the very instant. She appeared at the, the exact moment that her name was on Gehazi's lips. And Gehazi might have said, and speaking of the Shunammite, as it so happens, here she is. And the king uh, might have said, ah, we were just talking about you when you came in. The king asks the, the Shunammite about uh, her son's resurrection for the dead. She uh, relates it from firsthand experience, what Elisha the prophet had done and uh, in raising her, her uh, son from the dead, and he appoints this official to uh, not only restore her house, but restore her field and seven years of produce. You can imagine how much produce that might have been, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all 
that this Shunammite had asked or thought. And this all came about because of the timeliness of divine providence. When it comes to having needs met, we know this from experience, timing is everything. Uh, As the moment of need draws closer and closer, uh, the more we get uptight about whether or not we're going to have this need met, and sometimes the believer wonders, uh, where's my next meal going to come from? Or thinks, if I don't uh, find a place to live soon, I'm going to be out on the streets. The missionary who longs to return to his field of foreign service wonders whether or not this visa is going to come through in time for him to return. Doesn't God know how late it's getting when we're in need? How close my time of need is when we need something? Doesn't he know that my monthly bills are due and I don't have the means to, 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 to pay uh, for these uh, expenses that are necessary for living? Well, of course, yes. God knows what time it is. God is the creator of time in the first place. So he never runs out of time. He never loses track of time. He will rule over the moments and days until the end of time. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3, there is an appointed time for everything, verse 1, and that there's a time for every event under heaven and that God has made everything beautiful in its time, verse 11. Thus, a believer can always count on God to provide. In his own good time. On his timetable, of course, and not on ours. And every Christian can testify to the timeliness of God's providence. A narrow escape from an accident or uh, from danger. A minister and his wife who have car trouble in the parking lot of the church rather than in the mountains of western North Carolina. A significant conversation that changed the course of your life. Food or housing provided seemingly just in time. One door closed so that the next could open. In retrospect, every provision is a reminder that our times are in God's hands and his timely providence. And this account of the Shunammite woman is designed to remind us of God's faithful providence and his timely providence. It's a reminder to us to recognize and remember 
God's timely and faithful providence. Too often, Christians fail to recognize remarkable instances of God's timely providence due to our spiritual dullness. They escape our notice, and we forfeit the opportunity to thank the Lord, to recognize what the Lord has done. We ought to be paying attention to what the Lord's doing in the new life that He's given us in Christ so that we can obey the command to unceasingly give thanks to God in everything. Give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Thanking Him for every instance where He's provided exactly what we needed just when we needed it. And you're called to remember God's faithfulness whenever you're in need. Christians who've experienced God's provision in the past to easily forget to trust Him when their needs arise again for food, for work, for shelter. Yet God is always faithful to provide. Isn't it interesting how many times we need to learn the lessons of the Christian life? God does something remarkable for us in his wonderful providence. He provides for us. He provides faithfully in a way that the timing is simply astounding to us. And we rejoice in that. We even recognize that before God and we thank him for that. Perhaps that's in a time of of great abundance in our lives. And we go through a season uh, of life when uh, we don't have many needs. But then we fall again into a place where we do. How quickly we forget God's faithful providence, his timely providence in providing for us all that we need. We need to remember that God will be as faithful in the future as he has to us in the past. Let's pray. Our God, you are indeed faithful. Your loving kindnesses, O Lord, indeed never cease. Your compassions never fail. They are new to us every morning. Great is your faithfulness. To us. You have been to us a God and to our children. We have seen instances of your faithful providence in our lives. We've seen uh, the timing, uh, the perfect divine timing in which you bring things into order, into place in our lives. And, and we uh, thank you, O Lord, for that timely and faithful providence. And we pray that you would forgive us when we have fallen asleep at the spiritual wheel and we have not remembered the things 
uh, that you have done. We haven't recognized the things you have done. We have too easily, uh, they've escaped our notice, and we haven't given to you the thanks that you always deserve as our great and glorious God. We pray that you would guard us in times of comfortable living when we have all that we need and in abund- abundance. Uh, guard us, O oh Lord, about recognizing that even uh, these things are from your hands. And guard us, O oh Lord, from forgetfulness uh, when... We receive from your hand in past times and don't trust you as we ought in the future. Teach us these lessons of new life in Christ and secure them to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.